Hey MRCC, Pastor Greg here. Just want to take a quick moment to thank you for the faithfulness and the encouraging spirit that you have consistently demonstrated towards us as a leadership team and towards your church as a whole. Through this season, uh, you have been remarkable. And because of your faithfulness in giving and encouragement and prayer and in serving, we have been able to continue to reach into our community even during this time. Just this week, we helped to refill the food bank at POM, several thousand dollars worth of Effort. We've been able to connect with people in crisis. So thank you for your faithfulness in enabling us to continue to serve and encouraging us as leaders. Second, if you find yourself in crisis during this time, please know that we're here. You can call the church office, get in connection with us. We are a family and we're in this together. You have been awesome in this time. We're going to get through it. Thank you for your faithfulness. See you on Sunday. Hello, MRCC. Thank you for joining us for online church today. You're ready to worship our God. He has done so many great things. So, Father, we come before you in honor and adoration of who you are. Let's worship him together, church.
today we have the privilege of singing a great hymn with lyrics so profound and in this hymn come thou fount there is a word in it that sometimes goes over our heads and that word is Ebenezer and this word is based out of something that happened in the Old Testament by the prophet Samuel and he wanted to set up something that would be a reminder through the generations of how our God is with us how our God has helped us and so this word Ebenezer is the stone he set up and he named it Ebenezer, and that word means a stone of help. He's helping us even now. Church, he helps us despite our failures. He loves us despite our sin. And so let us remember that in this time, he is for us, church. So can we come together and worship him now for all that he's done, all that he is doing, and all that's to come. Lord, we worship you. Every blessing. 
take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. Yes, Lord. There's something that happens in worship church where our hearts connect to the Father's, where we can declare his goodness and our weakness and how his grace and his love and his mercy gives us strength. So it is our prayer to every household watching right now that you would receive the blessing from God, that you would receive his love and grace and mercy and let him walk with you during this time. We are prone to wander. We are prone to distract ourselves from the goodness that God is offering us daily. Receive the blessing. God, we receive your blessing now. And in return, we offer up this worship to you. We love you. As your church, we say, amen. Amen, church. Thank you so much for worshiping with us today. Hey, church, we have a few announcements for you. First off, we have a new way to connect with you. And if you're a newcomer with us today, would you go ahead and text MRCC to the number 94000. It's a new way for us to connect with you and get to know you. We won't pass on your information or spam you or anything like that. We simply just want to say hi. Again, text MRCC to the number 94000. If you're a parent of a high school senior, we would love to honor your seniors coming up in the next couple weeks. If you could email Pastor Josh a photo of them as a baby or as a young child and a more current photo of them, just email them josh at mrccnow.org. And also we want to remind you that our office is currently open. If you're in need of any pastoral care, just go ahead and give us a call and we'll get you scheduled in. And our giving is still open. It's really easy to give online or you can drop it by the office or just wait till we're back in person. Thank you guys. Hey, good morning, everybody. Good afternoon, good evening, whatever's working in this moment for you. It is great to be gathered with you again. Thank you, Pastor Weston, for, for leading us in worship. That, that is so precious to our, to our spirits. There's something supernaturally life-giving about worship, and we feel it, and we crave it, and, and we notice when we're, when we're missing it. And so, Pastor Weston, thank you for you and the team leading us there in worship. That's sweet. And, and thank you for that hymn. Uh, it's one of my favorite hymns. I think we all resonate with the way that hymn ends when it says, here's my heart, Lord. Take and seal it for your courts above. That's our desire. Uh, that's our heart's desire. And, and uh, so as we get ready to open God's Word uh, Church, would you, uh, would you bow your head with me in prayer and let's quiet our spirits. Let's prepare ourselves to let God speak to us in this moment. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word, your living word, your powerful word, uh, your word that speaks to us right where we are. And we ask that you would give us ears to hear uh, in this time together, Lord. Uh, enable us to recognize your Holy Spirit speaking to each one of us, even in the midst of all this dislocation and disconnection. You are greater than all those things. Meet us, we pray, in this time together in your word. We ask your blessing on it, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to start off in a new direction uh, today, church. And, and let me begin by uh, pointing out, have you noticed how, how much we hate being interrupted? 
nobody enjoys being interrupted. Nobody looks forward to it when it happens in the moment. Uh, it's usually irritating. Nobody likes to be interrupted because if we're speaking, we have a plan for what we're about to say or we're about what we're about to do. And, and the interruption makes us feel like we're, we're not valued or makes us feel like the direction or whatever we were bringing to that moment isn't worthwhile. And so being interrupted is considered one of the rudest things that we can do. But, but there's times when being interrupted is a good thing. There's times when we're glad we're interrupted. There's times when we know it would really be a good thing if we interrupt somebody else. There's a whole lot of folks right now wishing they could interrupt me and say, get a haircut, Pastor Greg. Do something with what's going on on your head. And uh, that probably would be a good thing, and that'll happen soon enough. But there's, there's times when being interrupted is a good thing. I love to tell the story about one Sunday morning years ago when I got up uh, to bring God's Word in church, and, and uh, everybody was smiling and seemed in a great mood, and, and I noticed that uh, feeling in the room. But my wife, who was sitting down here in the front row, uh, kept trying to interrupt me as I got started on Sunday morning, and you know, it's kind of irritating. And finally, I just stopped and said, honey, what? Why are you interrupting me in the middle of this moment? And of course, you probably know what she said. She said, Greg, your, your zipper's open. And, uh, you know, I was glad for being interrupted in that moment. Sometimes being interrupted is a good thing. Let me ask you, does God have permission to interrupt you? You know, we all have people in our lives who we trust so much that if they interrupt us, it's welcome. We receive it. We're open to it. And I wonder if God holds that position in your heart. Does he have your permission to interrupt you? You know, at the end of a life filled with interruptions, the Bible tells us that Joseph said in Genesis chapter 50 to his brothers who had been part of that interruption, he said, you intended to harm me but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. If you know Joseph's story, you know that he, he had a dream, he shared his dream, his brothers got jealous, they sold him into slavery. He found uh, success in Potiphar's household and then there was another interruption when he was uh, you know, framed by Potiphar's wife and he ended up in prison. And then in prison, he rose to significance again, but there was another interruption uh, as the king pulled him into his staff. But in the end, all those interruptions led to Joseph being the instrument for saving thousands, millions from famine, indeed preserving Egypt itself. Joseph was interrupted a lot, but what he came to understand was that God was in all of it. And I find that significant, friends, because we're really living in an interruption right now. Most of us have been significantly interrupted in this season of our lives. When we turned the corner into spring six, seven weeks ago, we had plans for the summer, we had plans for the future, and many of those have been interrupted. But here's what's also happening is that God is at work in this interruption. That God is in fact profoundly 
at work in this interruption. You know, the first week that we had online services, which, which none of us preferred, but that first week that we had services online only, I got an email from a young lady who, who grew up here at MRCC but is attending college in another city. And she shared how she took the opportunity of the online services to invite a bunch of her dorm friends to her room in order to watch the service online. Most of those friends were unchurched friends. And as a consequence, they spent hours afterwards talking about the message. And this young lady and her friends got to share their faith with others who didn't know their faith. And she wrote to thank us profoundly for putting the service online. And what a, what a, a wonderful story that is, but what a wake-up call that is, because long before that week we had the ability to do that, but we had just never gotten around to doing it intentionally. It took an interruption to bring that out. What price can we put on such a story? Is it worth being interrupted in order for that to happen? God thinks so. Yes, he does. And this whole pandemic thing feels to me and to you like an awful interruption. And in many ways it is. But, but church, please understand, God wants us to know it is also an opportunity. And this isn't the first time he's done something like this. Let me invite you to turn to Acts chapter 8 and, and Philippians chapter 1 and and let's watch God allow an interruption and then watch what he does with it. In Acts chapter 8, we read about the early church being interrupted. Here's what the scripture says, verses 1 to 3 of Acts chapter 8. It says, On that day a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. And godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. Stephen's uh, 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 sharing of the gospel was kind of the spark that lit the tinder in Jerusalem of persecution against the church. In chapter 7, we read about him losing his life as a consequence. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. And Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. Imagine how that felt to the early church. The early church that was thriving, that had just experienced the power of Pentecost, that had just a few chapters earlier in Acts been enjoying the favor of, of all the people in Jerusalem. Now suddenly, unexpectedly and unwelcomely, all of that has been interrupted by a great persecution that breaks out against the church. Try and imagine how that would have felt. It created disconnections. Believers were scattered. They weren't able to gather together like they had been, like they had fallen in love with. It brought about suffering. Stephen lost his life. Others were beaten, driven away. Uh, many lost their standing, their reputation. They were associated in a negative way with this new Christian faith. It brought deep sadness and mourning as the believers lost Stephen, a man who was a leader and an inspiration. And, and they lost him, and, and, and there, the scripture says there was deep mourning. And, and it brought new enemies. This guy Saul 
begins to emerge and to lead the persecution of the church. And it's easy to see how unwelcome this interruption would have felt to the early believers. Who knows, maybe they had to go weeks without haircuts. Can you imagine the pain and misery? But it also, church, it also brought something else. And that's what is the point in Acts chapter 8. The scripture says that all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Now, at first that seems like a bad thing, but, but let's look a little more closely. The context of this moment is that the apostles were supposed to be scattered long before this. Jesus had given them the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. But the apostles were still hanging out in Jerusalem. It was comfortable. It was familiar. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, when Jesus talked about Pentecost, he said, you will become my witnesses as a result of it. In, all, in Jerusalem, yes, but also in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But that wasn't happening because we have a tendency to default to what's comfortable and what's familiar. And as a result, if you look at Acts chapter 8, the early church, instead of being scattered as Jesus intended, as God intended, as the Holy Spirit intended, instead of doing that, they were having church efficiency debates. <laughs> the Hebrew widows complaining against the Greek widows about who got first in the line for assistance. And, and it sounds incredibly familiar. Because left to ourselves, we will tend to choose what's comfortable, just like the early church was doing. But, but that's not the way to glory, and that's not the way to God's plan for your life and mine. Jesus had a very different agenda. He didn't seek comfort and familiarity. He said, Luke chapter 19, verse 10, I have come to seek and to save the lost. And he told that great parable in Luke 15 about the lost sheep. He said, there's a farmer who has 100 sheep. If he loses even one, he leaves the 99 and goes searching for that one. And, and Jesus said, God is like that. God is searching for the people who don't know him yet. And Jesus, his conflict with the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders of his day, was that because they saw themselves as defenders of good pasture, instead of lost sheep seekers. And, and the, this persecution that broke out against the early church reminded them of who God intended them to be. Verse 5 of Acts chapter 8 goes on to tell us that those who had been scattered, catch this church, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. How great is that from God's perspective? Now the gospel isn't only being heard in Jerusalem. Now it's beginning to be heard in other places, in Judea, in Samaria, and even beyond that. And it begins to go to places that people would not have taken it on their own. Uh, Acts chapter 8, verse 5 tells us, Philip went down to a city in Samaria as a result of the persecution, as a result of the interruption, and he pro proclaimed the Christ there. Samaria was not a place good, upstanding, comfortable, and familiar Jewish believers would have gone on their own initiative. But because of the persecution, they were scattered into those places. And people were reached who would never have been reached in Jerusalem. You see, church, when we let God interrupt us, when we treat his interruptions like opportunities, 
we discover ourselves. We remember who we were meant to be. You know, early in my life as a pastor, I, I left ministry for a year because I experienced a heart attack. And that heart attack was brought on by, by the stress of, of me trying to, uh, to serve God and to serve His church in my own strength. And during that year off, what I discovered was that my deepest heart, and, and, and in that time, uh, excuse me, in that time off, I made more money than I'd ever made in my life. The job that God led me to was a, was a very uh, prosperous one. But during that year, what I remembered, during that interruption caused by the heart attack, I remembered that my heart wasn't to make a lot of money and to be comfortable and familiar. My heart was to share the good news about Jesus. And so when I went back to ministry, it was with an understanding of what mattered most to me, of who I was and what my life was intended for. And I've never looked back from that moment. But it happened because of an interruption. God works through interruptions to help you and me remember ourselves. And because of interruptions, we, we get involved with people that we otherwise wouldn't have. This persecution in Acts chapter 8 is the first time we meet a guy who doesn't seem like the kind of guy we want to get involved with, but he will become pretty significant. His name was Saul, but that name would change. It would be turned to Paul. But Paul's contact with the church occurred because of this interruption. Uh, this persecution was the beginning of his turning into Paul, which is going to happen in the very next chapter, Acts chapter 9, and to become the greatest gospel-sharing leader of the early church. Again, because of an interruption, an unwelcome interruption. I wonder, who does God want to connect you with in this time? Is it a neighbor that you've just kind of walked past every day of your life? as you got on with your business? Is it someone who needs your help uh, that maybe you wouldn't have come in contact with because their need didn't emerge until this interruption happened? Who is it that God wants you to connect with in this time? You know, another friend of mine has shared uh, with great joy how, uh, you know, this interruption has uh, become a, a, the means whereby his family has begun to, uh, who are unbelievers, has begun to uh, get involved with MRCC online, watch the church services, talk about what's being said and done. From God's perspective, nothing is more important. It's worth the interruption in order to see this happen. And in the same way that God used that interrupting persecution in the early church to scatter them and help them remember who they were, I wonder if God doesn't want to do the same thing in your life and in our lives in the midst of this interruption. You know, the story of the fruit of this interruption goes on and on. In Acts chapter 11, we read, Now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, that's way over the ocean, and Cyprus and Antioch, telling the message to Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks, also the Gentiles, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. And the Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Why? Because an interruption upset the comfortable, familiar routine everybody was living in and helped them to remember themselves, helped them to rediscover their purpose and their mission. You know, the Apostle Paul said the same kind of thing when his ministry was interrupted by prison. 
In Philippians chapter 1, here's how he saw that interruption. He said, now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result of this interruption, he's in prison. As a result of this interruption, though, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more. What was Paul saying? He's saying, you know, this is an unwelcome interruption, but I see God at work in it. It's an opportunity. And I recognize that and I thrill to it. When we see God's interruptions as opportunities, friends, we discover ourselves. We discover who we are meant to be and who we want to be because the Spirit of God lives in us. You know, Joseph started with a dream, got interrupted a bunch, but ended up seeing that dream come true through the interruptions. And in the same way, God is at work in our lives, even here and now in this moment. You know, one of the principles of, of weightlifting for those who are into it is that you want to shock your body regularly with different kinds of workouts because it activates different muscles. In the same way, God's interruptions wake up parts of our soul that fall asleep when they aren't challenged. You know, if I could just share a personal testimony in this time, in this interruption for years, I've been trying to kind of shift over to making running my main thing for fitness. You know, it's always been basketball and soccer, but I'm too old for that now. My body won't do it. And so I've been trying to, to develop this habit of running. I know that can, can carry me, you know, into, late into life. But I haven't been able to get over the hump of getting into that rhythm and getting into that routine. But this interruption has shut down the gym. I have no other outlet except running. And I'm so excited because now at this point I've established that new habit. I'm building my mileage. I, I've developed a new rhythm. It's beautiful and I'm actually becoming that runner. Yeah, but it wouldn't have happened without the interruption. And so I'm deeply thankful in that sense for what this interruption has brought. It's helped me discover someone I always wanted to become. In a much more serious way, friends, this interruption has reminded me and us that God's church is not meant to be focused on gathering events. Certainly those are a huge part of who we are and what we do and coming together in the Lord. But our calling isn't to gather. Jesus did not say, I have come to make gatherings. He said, I've come to seek and to save the lost. I've come to reach out to people who don't know the good news and to help them connect with God. And our gatherings help that to happen, but in the end, it's a call that God has given to each one of us. Church, this recognition is, is very much like what the early church began to recognize in Acts 8 when that persecution broke out against them. God wants to remind us that we are all, all believers, are meant to become, as we grow and mature in Christ, teachers. Hebrews chapter 5 reminds us of that. It says, by this time you ought to be teachers, but many haven't. Many still need someone to teach the elementary truths of God's word all over again. They need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. You see, righteousness isn't what happens when I get my act together. Righteousness is what happens when Jesus does his work on the cross. I become righteous because of that. 
And it's the good news that that righteousness is free to anyone who asks it, that we have been called to share. But many of us, like the early church in Acts, have fallen into habits that, that don't aim in that direction. We've fallen into rhythms and routines. We've grown comfortable and familiar with not carrying that mission. And God wants to use this interruption to remind us of who we are. And being a teacher, as Hebrews chapter 5 is talking about in this moment, doesn't only mean lecturing. It doesn't only necessarily mean speaking. We can teach with words. We can teach without words. What it means is, is mentoring and influencing and being a role model and example. Every one of us, you and me both, have people whose example was instrumental in our coming to Christ. And maybe we only encountered their example for a short season of our life, but the, the sum total of all those examples led us to Christ. Our job is to continue to be those people for others, to continue to be those examples. Sometimes the teaching that, that Hebrews 5 is referring to is, is best done by saying nothing. That's why 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 says, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business and to work with your hands so that your daily life will win the respect of outsiders, so that your example is something the Holy Spirit can use when somebody else says the words. Other times, like with Philip and like with these believers scattered uh, into Antioch and Cyprus and, and so forth, sometimes it is speaking the words. Let me invite you to remember who are the people who are the best examples of faith to you. And then let me remind you that you're called to become that example for somebody else. The early church had forgotten that. And God used an interruption to remind them as 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 says, we are Christ's ambassadors and God is making his appeal through us. Friends, we have good news to share with the world around us. And this interruption, God seeks to use to help us remember that. Now, I remember many years ago, and I'll finish here. I remember many years ago being on a missions trip in Mexico City. And on this particular missions trip, we were to serve an area of the city uh, located adjacent to uh, the huge landfill in Mexico City in which almost a million people live. So this was an outreach to the most needy of a huge city. And I remember uh, flying into Mexico City with the team and looking out the window of the airplane and and seeing this massive city of 25 million people, including all of uh, you know, the surrounding connected urban areas, and just being overwhelmed by the size of it and being overwhelmed by the level of poverty. Uh, the scale was just, uh, you know, it, it, it impacted me deeply. And, uh, you know, we landed and we went to the area of the city that we were to serve in. But I was, I was feeling the weight of that need uh, so deeply that um, it was making me emotional, you know. And uh, one of the team leaders uh, came to me and he said, Hey, Greg, all we're here to do is invite other people to receive a free gift. You see, what we were doing was providing uh, food, medical supplies, hygiene items, small household items uh, to the poorest of the poor. And he said, Greg, all, all you're here to do is go invite people to receive a free gift. And I remember hearing that and going, wow, 
I have good news. And, and when I started going out into the neighborhoods then to invite people to come, it was with an eagerness. It was with a joy. Uh, it was with a knowledge that nothing depended on me. I was just there to give an invitation. And church, that's who we are as believers. We are here to give an invitation, to invite people to receive the free gift of God's grace in Christ. Uh, you know, we have good news to share. But we get into our comfortable, familiar routines and we forget about that. God uses interruptions to remind us of it. So let me ask you again. Who does God want you to connect with in this season? For whom does God want you to become the kind of people who influenced you on your journey to finding Jesus as your Savior? Let us allow this interruption to remind us of who we are. In the end, we will be thrilled at having rediscovered who we're meant to be because there's coming a moment when all our worries about what's next will be behind us. And all that will matter is who we have invited to come receive the free gift of God's love in Christ. Can we allow this interruption to remind us of that? Let's pray together. Would you bow your heads? Father God, we thank you for your word this morning. And you know, the truth is we confess that the comfortable and the familiar easily distracts us from the people that you are seeking to save. God, we pray that you would open our hearts in this interruption to the way you want to use it to connect us with people we might not have connected with because we were too busy, we were too hurried, we were unwilling to be interrupted. God, as we, as we sit here in this moment, in this interruption, help us to recognize that you're at work in it. Help us to feel and see and grab hold of the opportunity that you are giving us. And send us into this interruption, Lord, for however long it lasts, with a sense of mission, with an understanding that you are with us and that you are seeking people who don't know you. We pray for that. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church, it's good to meet with you. I'm so eager uh, when we can be gathered together in the same room again. That day will come. But let us not be so focused on that that we miss what God is seeking to do in the middle of this interruption. Now may the love of God the Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of His Holy Spirit go with you throughout this week. Go with God. Tell someone that you love.